What's up, guys? This is Ryan. I am here with my co-host, Nick, Mark, and Pastor Chris, who has joined Bible Dares this Again. season. Again. <laughs> Officially. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we are back. We are continuing on through the Revelation outline. Uh, if you missed out on the past couple episodes, you really need to go back and listen to them, please, to understand where we're at now. So go back and listen to honestly the different views episodes so that you can understand where where we're coming from listen to the numbers episode and then also listen to revelation one through five so that you really have that foundation to understand where we're going uh from here on so today we're going to pick it up in revelation chapter six and we are going to continue on uh in the last episode we had the introduction of the lamb who was holding the scroll and now we're going into the seven seals that are uh, a part of this scroll. So with that being said, Pastor Chris, can we kick it back over to you to keep rolling us through Revelation? Sure thing. I mean, I could have <laughs> did it all by myself. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, but we wanted to give Pastor Chris a platform. Yeah, I mean, this yeah. is easy stuff for us. Yeah, yeah. it's a walk in the park. <laughs> I just wanted to give him a shot. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right. So, Mark, I'll pass it off to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Chapter six. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, now, this is where, uh, even within the um, mill uh, interpretation of, of Revelation, there are uh, distinctions of. You know, what what do all these different things represent? And what I'm going to present, I think, is relatively uh, new in terms of uh, how to break this down. Heretic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so uh, the the, the Amil position generally sees the seals, the, the trumpets, and the bowls as uh, layers of the same periods of time. So that you're, uh, you know, it's, it, it, you know, you have a third, uh, you have a quarter, a third, and then all. Um, with the seals, it's a, it's a quarter of things that are destroyed. Uh, with the trumpets, it's a third that's destroyed, and then you get to the, uh, the, the bowls, and it's the final. It's, it's, it's the culmination. And at the end of each of those events, there is a climactic sort of boom. This is the end of time. This is the end of everything. And so the, um, the, the sort of traditional Amil view of that is each of those things represent the end of time, and, and therefore these things have to be layered. Uh, o- over each other, hmm. uh, and, and I, I'm going to become dispensational. Uh, um, Wait a second. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> it, uh, in, in saying, um, I agree with the layered view, but I, I believe that the layers don't represent just the same time periods, and I'll explain that as we go on. Uh, but basically, the first. The, the 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 fact that we have a quarter, then we have a third, and then we have the full. That in itself says there's got to be a distinction here, you know. So what is that distinction? And I will make the argument that the distinction is this, uh, and this goes back to what I said in chapter one in terms of the breakdown of of uh, the book. I believe that the seven uh, seals represents basically creation to Moses, that the seven trumpets is from Moses to Christ, and the uh, seven bowls is post-Christ. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that kind of argument as I go through. I don't have the time to get into all the nitty-gritty details, but I'll, I'll give you um, the reasons for that. Now, first, then, we come to the the seven seals. And the seven seals, uh, we've already indicated from chapter five that those seven seals are the seven seals on this document. And so the question becomes, what is the document? Some people will say the document are the, the, the judgments of God. And um, uh, you know, others like myself will say, no, it's, it's the will. It's the, the last will and testament. It's, it's the inheritance. Um, and the 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 
problem with saying that this is you know God's judgments and that each of these uh, seals is the unleashing of those judgments. The the problem with that is the document hasn't been opened yet. The document can't be opened until the seventh seal is so. So we don't know what it contains uh, in that sense until the seventh seal is opened. Uh, so then what does it or what could it represent otherwise? Well, if this is who is the inheritor, which, which again, the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, uh, so who is the inheritor? And, and we've already been told who the inheritor is. He's the only one that's worthy. He's the one that died. To, to purchase for himself this inheritance. So he, we, we already know who the inheritance is. Now what we need is the witnesses who say, yes, uh, he is the one that is worthy. Yes, he is the one who is to bring uh, you know, this inheritance. And so what happens then with the opening of each seal is not this is the release of judgments in, in one sense, but it's the release of... Uh, of judgments against those who are false claimants to the throne. So the uh, so when we have the four living creatures, they represent what? They represent you know creation, the the, the life of uh, of creation, and so each of those then are making their declaration. Yes, he is the true inheritor. Right? He, he is the one who is the heir. And so they each make that declaration by saying, Urkamai, come. But Urkamai also means go. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it can, depending on the context, it can mean either come or go. All right? And, and so you know, what is being said, yes, come to the inheritor, but then go against those that are the faults claimants to the throne. And, and so how is that carried out? Well, it's carried out through a variety of different kinds of plagues. So each of the four living creatures represent four witnesses. And, and, and we have this all the way through the Old Testament, don't we? When God does something, he'll call on the heavens and the earth, or he'll call on his creation or whatever to be his witnesses. Uh, to what he has said and what he's doing, and so these four living creatures then are four the you know four aspects of creation that witness to the fact that Jesus Christ is the true heir, and and therefore because he's the true heir, all these other false claimants, which are the ungodly, um, they then fall under the judgments. But notice that it's only a quarter. All right. Well. Why is it a quarter? Now I'm going to stretch this a little bit and and say I don't think this was in John's mind, but I do think that it helps us to understand. Um, you know, at the beginning, you know, how many people were there? There was Adam, Eve, Cain, and and uh, Abel, and one quarter of them is killed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that I, I think. You know, that's a little bit of a stretch um, there. And then Seth comes along, and who is Seth? Seth is a type of Christ, right? Um, but, I, but I do think that, that that's there, that this is creation to Moses. This is the representation of the original fall and God's judgments that, uh, that came against the nations and the people um, that uh, had rebelled against him. And that's why we see a number of these as the plagues. These are the plagues of Israel, uh, you know, against Egypt, and uh, and so this is this is the punishment that comes on the nations that would um, that, that would seek to uh, undermine God's work. So that's why that that's why I see that. There's a lot of other things in there, but, but there. And then then we have the souls under the altar, and, and you know, first of all. Uh, again, it, this has to be symbolism um, because, uh, you know, is there an actual altar in heaven itself? Right? I, I think we're going to end up saying no because there's no temple in, uh, you know, in the new heavens and new earth. There's no temple. There's no, uh, so you're not going to have an altar where you don't have the temple. 
And what's the purpose of an altar anyway? The purpose of an altar is to sacrifice, and you're not going to have sacrifice um, in eternity. So what are the souls under the altar? Well, the souls under the altar are those that are under the blood of Christ. They are, you know, he has been sacrificed for them, and they are the ones then, particularly of the old covenant in, in that sense, but even going all the way back um, to the beginning of creation, those that have been redeemed through Jesus Christ, and they are the next witness. Okay? They are witnessing to the fact that he is the heir, um, but they are told that they have to wait because we haven't reached the end yet. We haven't reached its, its fullness. Um, and then the, the next is the heavens and the earth. And, and, of course, multiple times in the Old Testament, the heavens and the earth are called to be the witnesses to what God has said in the book of Deuteronomy in particular. Uh, they're, they're called to, to be that. And so they witness. Well, how do they witness? They witness by signs which is is what they were created for, right? The heavens were created, the stars, the moon, the sun. They're created as signs, uh, and, you know, and seasons. So uh, you know, they're they're the signs, and of course, the earth is also fighting on God's behalf. And so you know, the mountains and the hills are falling, you know, on on people. And what are they hiding them from? They're hiding them. They're they're trying to hide from the face of the one who has come in His judgment. Um, and that's uh, that's because he is the heir. And this is the declaration. The heavens and earth are declaring, yes, he's the heir. And so the uh, uh, they're they're fulfilling their purpose of punishing those that are the false claimants. So that takes you through chapter six, and then chapter seven comes along. And chapter seven is an interlude. And what we see in um, these major segments is that you have a, a breakdown generally of four then two, and then an interlude, and then one, you know, the, the final um, conclusion to, to it. So what we have in, um, in chapter 7, then, is this interlude. And what is the interlude? Okay, so we have the um, these four, or these seven, no, the four um, uh, angels that are withholding the winds, that are holding back um, the winds, uh, and what are the winds? The winds are destruction. So they're holding back the the, the, the destruction that is going to be against everything. It's going to be the, against trees and and people and and you know living creatures and everything. So, so they're holding this back. Well, when are they holding it back? My that's my question. When is this being held back? Is this something that's off in the future? No, we've <laughs> we, we see the destruction happening all around us all the time. Right? We've got hurricanes and tornadoes and volcanoes and and you know you name it. Uh, the, the destruction is going on. So so when would this have been? Well, it would have been before God sealed those that were His. And when did He seal them? He sealed them in eternity past. Right, he sealed them. Um, you know, their, their name names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundations of the world. Right, so so that helps us to see why I say this is creation. Um, this uh, this is the beginning. So they're they're being withheld, and uh, you know they're they're going to be released, but they're they're, they're withheld until. Everyone is sealed. That's uh, that's going to be um, saved. That is they, that they, you know, their names are written in the Land Book of Life. Uh, there. So I, again, I do happen to be reformed in theology, which means I do believe in eternal election, and uh, and so I think this is election. This is this is God's statement of election, which then brings us to what is the hundred forty-four thousand. I'm sorry, can I'm just uh, I'm just a little confused. So. He's holding it back until they're sealed. However, they're sealed in eternity past before they were born. So is is the holding back until it happens that all happened in eternity past, or is it happening now and in the future? Okay. Well, th- that's that's a problem that we have when we think of the book chronologically. Okay. Okay, so this is not chronological. This is symbolic. Okay. All right. So, so God's judgments don't come against the earth, uh, you know, until His people are are sealed, and so 
it's it's from eternity past. Um, but the judgments, what we see in the first six, you know, witnesses, those judgments are what chapter seven is saying is yes, all those judgments are going out, but they're not going out against those that are sealed. Okay, I understand. Okay, so uh, God is going to release His judgments, but He's not going to release those judgments against His own people. This is simply a way of saying that those judgments are not are not meant. Even though we get caught up in it, in the sense of you know we get destroyed in tornadoes and uh, you know Christians get destroyed and all of that, but that's not the purpose of those destructive things. It's not just to kill people, but it is to uh, punish unbelievers, to to those that are rejection uh, rejecting him and trying to be the tenants uh, that Jesus talks about in the parable where the, the tenants kill off the prophets, you know, um, the, the representatives of the master. And then when the sun goes, they say, here, let's kill off the air, and, and then we've got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so this is, uh, this, this is a ex- expansion upon what that means. Okay. So don't think of these things in, in totally in chronological sequence. This is... This is God's eternal purpose and what he's doing. So in, this, in that sense then, chapter 7 comes before, but it also will come after, and we'll see that okay. um, <laughs> in terms of time. But it comes before the, uh, the, the unleashing of uh, you know, chapter 6. Okay. So we have the, the individuals that are sealed, and they are... Uh, they are um, 12,000, then we are told who they are. They're 12,000 from each tribe of, of Israel. So we might think of these in that sense then as uh, the Old Testament saints. And, and, and we could do that. Um, but there's a, there is an issue. There's a problem. And the problem is these are not the tribes of Israel. Some of them are the tribes of Israel, but some of them are not. Neither are they the sons of of Judah, um, and and so either John has gone senile and he can't remember, you know, who are the actual tribes and all that kind of stuff, or he is telling us in the writing of these that this is symbolic, mm-hmm. right? And so you know we have Joseph mentioned, um, and, but but when Joseph is mentioned, Joseph isn't a tribe. He's a son, but he's not a tribe. His 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 two sons become the tribes, right? Ephraim and Manasseh, they they become the tribes. Uh, but we have Manasseh mentioned, so we have Ephraim is not, Joseph is, but Manasseh is mentioned, right? But we also have Levi mentioned, but Levi again is a son, but he's not a tribe. Right, he's he's the Levitical priesthood, which is scattered in all the tribes. So he doesn't receive an inheritance, and yet he's he's mentioned in this. But Dan is not, and there's all kinds of reasons. Well, you know, um, Dan is where Judas Judas came from. Nobody knows that, you know. Um, so you know, there's there's you know the representation of Dan is that Dan is a serpent striking the heel, so he represents Satan. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's there's there is symbolism there, but that's not what the purpose of that symbolism was back in Genesis 49. Uh, so the you know why is why do we have these um, this mix up in terms of who's mentioned, who's not mentioned? And I think that it's very purposeful. Is there symbolism in who's in and who's out? Well, Ephraim was the northern kingdom. Ephraim was actually. Um, you know, the the northern kingdom, which is called Israel, but it's also called Ephraim, because Ephraim is is the inheritor of Joseph's, um, you know, as Joseph's heir uh, in that sense, and the firstborn, even though he's the second um, younger son, but um, so that represents Israel, and and so is that left off for that reason? Is Dan left off because? Dan is the tribe that left its inheritance and went up and took another inheritance in another location and did that with idols. And um, Ephraim is where uh, um, 
the the golden calves. One is in Ephraim, one is in Dan. So are those two left off because of those two idol calves? So there are things that we can look at and, and say that's that's why they're left off. But we also have to say, yeah, that may be why they're left off and that's why it's written that way. But at the same time, why does John say that these are the 12 tribes? Mm-hmm. Okay, so remember what he said earlier about what he hears and then what he sees. So he hears the number, 12,000 from each tribe. And then what does he see? A multitude from every nation right, right. gathered around the throne. Right. So, so what, what is this? Um, it is this uh, representation then of all the people of God that have been sealed from all of eternity. And that's why I said it's kind of past and future at the same time. Um, but they're sealed from eternity and they will, from all nations, glorify God. But how did that happen? Well, it happened through God bringing Israel as the, the, his representation into the midst of the world. And then Jesus Christ, and again, remember, everything is about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is Israel. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of, uh, of what Israel is. Everything is fulfilled in him. All right? So, uh, you know, our salvation, you know, we're, we're grafted into the tree. Um, the tree, by the way, is not Israel because Israel's grafted into the tree, right? Jewish believers are grafted into the tree. It, it's not even necessarily the Abrahamic covenant um, because, in a sense, that's past, but it's Christ. Christ is that which grows up through. Uh, he, he's the root of, of David. He's the, he's the stump of Jesse, um, and, and, and then everything has to be grafted into him ultimately, eventually, uh, there. So when we're talking about this being, you know, the 144,000 from, you know, 12,000 from each of the tribes, we're talking about 12 times 12, again, um, times the number 1,000, which is then the, the number of, of uh, fullness and totality, and, and, and then it's described in that next section when it says it's it's all it's all those that God has sealed from eternity past. So that's uh, that's what we have in chapter seven. God has His inheritance for Christ, and there are false claimants out there who are trying to uh, you know overthrow the heir, but they can't because they're sealed in in from eternity in Christ. Right, which brings us then to chapter eight, and in chapter eight, the first uh, five verses are are again uh, just like at the end of of um, chapter six. We have the uh, you know the heavens and the earth collapsing and and, and all of these things, uh, but chapter eight is actually the conclusion, right? And, and so, what is what is this conclusion? Well, we have. The, uh, the, the seventh seal opened and there's silence in heaven for a half hour. Nothing else is said. Right? But, uh, it's just silence in heaven for a half hour. And, and you sit there and you go, and this, this is, I, I love reading the commentaries on this <laughs> because the, com- <laughs> the commentaries are all over the place on this. You know, it's, they don't, right? Um, if, if you see this as I have described it, then what we have is this, uh, this glorious view in which God has this, this plan in Christ. And they're waiting for the heir to be named. The seventh seal is open. Well, who's the seventh witness? All right, we've seen the four aspects of creation. We've seen the saints. We've seen the heaven and earth. Who's left? Heavens. The, the, the eternal heavens, the spiritual realm. And what are, they, what, what are they doing? They're standing at attention, waiting for the naming of the air. They're in absolute silence. Anybody that's watched Star Wars knows what I'm talking about. As uh, Han Solo and... And uh, well, you know, 
um, Luke Skywalker come walking in and, you know, all the rebel soldiers standing at full attention, you know, waiting for them to, to come down and receive their rewards, right? Well, this is, this is waiting. The whole of heaven is waiting with bated breath. Why a half hour? Because God has only one purpose, right? He's got one purpose, and it's the hour of, of the completion of that purpose, and we're halfway there. Hmm. When is that halfway there? The coming of Christ. So they're, they're, they're waiting in anticipation. The, heaven, the, the heavenly beings are waiting in anticipation for the appearance of the air. So just so I understand, the, the first half hour was eternity passed until Christ died well, and rose again, and then the second half hour is his second coming? Yes, okay. in, in, in that sense. Um, now, they, 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 that's the anticipation. What I'm saying is that the, the, the um, six to seven seals are from creation to Moses, right? But the anticipation of the naming of the heir, why hasn't he been named? Okay. We've opened the seven seals. Why isn't he named, mm-hmm. right? Why don't, why don't we have that declaration of who he is? That's going to wait, right? We've got to go through the seven trumpets before we get to who is this heir. Okay. All right. So, yes, that half hour is that, that full waiting period. But it's it, that what we've covered in, is only up through um, the coming of Moses, in gotcha. a sense. But Moses is not the heir. So, therefore, we still have to wait okay. for the heir to be announced. And, uh, Pastor, are you saying that eternity past includes a galaxy far, far away? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yes, long ago. Well, uh, yes, according to uh, Richard Dawkins, he <laughs> believes in the multiverse. The multiverse, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to digest this. I'm trying to... Are you saying that the air won't be announced until the, the final judgment? No, I'm saying the air won't be announced until the coming of Christ, in the first coming of Christ. The first coming of Christ, he will be announced as, as the fact that he's the heir. So... so um, that the half hour is the halfway point in terms of God's eternal purpose. But when we say that the, the spiritual realm is anticipating the naming of the air, <coughs> excuse me, when we say that, mm-hmm. it makes me think that they don't know who the air is right now. They, they did not know the fullness of what God's purpose in Christ was. The scripture tells us that they longed to look into these things. They did not know it was the mystery of the gospel. The first coming of of Jesus Christ is the mystery of the gospel. All right? So they did not, uh, you know, did they know, did the angelic beings know about Jesus Christ coming in that sense? Probably, but did they know what that meant? The scripture says no. What that meant for creation. For what it meant for creation, what it meant for the salvation, how that was going to take place, um, you know, what what the fullness. So they're 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 sitting in anticipation, waiting for the coming of Jesus Christ, the first I, coming I, of Jesus Christ. I would I would accept, I mean, I'm, I'm no authority. I'm saying in my, in my limited brain, I would accept if the final half hour was the spiritual realm's anticipation to the redemption of man and to the second creation, you know, the new heavens and new earth. But what I'm having trouble with internally is saying that they're anticipating the air, the name of the air. It's not that they're anticipating the naming of the heir. They know who the heir is. They've already gone out and punished the, uh, you know, the false claimant. So they know who the name of the heir is. They're waiting for the coming of the heir, for his coronation. 
and that coronation. The second coming. No, the first no, coming. I think, I think I'm seeing the point of misunderstanding here. I think that from what I understand, the beginning of Revelation 8 with the seventh seal, you're saying this is before Christ came and they're waiting in anticipation. Oh, this first coming. Right. Okay. And you're thinking this is the second, the second time. coming. Yeah. Because you said it's the first half hour. The second half hour is his second coming to the new heavens and new earth. Right. So that's why in my head, that's why I connected it to the second coming because mm-hmm. it's the completion of the hour. Yeah, but we're only at a half hour. Yeah. We're at the beginning of the half hour. In Revelation 8, the, I think... It's the first half hour. Yeah. The first half hour represents... What uh, until he is seated on the throne? Okay. okay, and of course the angelic realm is not omniscient. I'm not is not mm-hmm. omnipresent. So of course they would be anticipating the plans of God because they're not God. Right. So that I I can I can I was just wrestling with that. Okay. But but they do, yeah. you know they they it's it's not like they're sitting there going. I wonder who it's going to be. Yeah, that's what I was wrestling yeah, with. Yeah, then. they know who. They just don't know how. Hmm. They know who, but they don't know how under the old covenant, um, how, how it's going to work out. And so they're longing to look into the things that, you know, once Christ has been raised and coronated, um, that they, they, they can now go, oh. And, and the writers of the New Testament says, yeah, but... We get to already see it. We didn't have to wait, you know, <laughs> uh, in that sense. So now as we approach the second hour, creation second is, half hour. The, the second half hour, sorry. The creation mm-hmm. is groaning, right? Creation is groaning for his second return. Is uh, is the angelic realm a part of that groaning creation awaiting his second return if they're a part of creation? Well, I mean, th- even under the first half hour, there's... They they're still um, waiting for that, that that you know the finality. Um, every everything, the spiritual realm and the, the physical realm, is all awaiting the redemption of the sons of God. Uh, Romans chapter eight. All right, and redemption of the sons of God is not that we are that we're born again, <clears throat> but the fullness of uh, the recovery of all that God has purposed in humanity, which is fulfilled in Christ. Us in Christ, but is not going to be fully fulfilled until the uh, the final resurrection. So that's just think of of, um, of of history in terms of everything leading up to <laughs> everything leading peals to, of thunder. Yes, yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could have timed that better, right? Uh, but everything leading up to the coming of Christ, kaboom! <laughs> and, and then uh, you know the first time. And then, and then everything that's happening after that, and so the uh, under the the Old Testament we have two segments, and this is where the dispensationalists kind of get it right, in that you have the segment pre mosaic, and then post mosaic. Um, you know, so the, what I'm saying is this is pre mosaic with okay. the the seals. I think what confused what me. Is. I think what confused me. Is that you said? What, what was the first seven that we had to go through before we hit the trumpets? The seven seals. Okay. <clears throat> what confused me was you said that we we went through the the seven seals, but now we have to wait for the seven trumpets. And when I looked at the chart, the chart says that the tr- the seven trumpets means to announce judgment. So mm-hmm. that that. So I guess I wasn't connecting that the seven seals happened before the first half hour, and now the seven trumpets are hap- will happen before the second half hour. Correct? No. Yes, they'll happen before. <clears throat> Both the seals and the trumpets are happening in that first half hour. And then announcing the final judgment. How would that happen before? I the didn't second say final hour? judgment. Oh, okay. It just says judgment. Okay. <clears throat> but I, I think that's that's why I'm I'm having trouble because when we think trumpet, we think, we think of the, Jesus' the last trumpet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I the think a lot of the blown. other listeners would, would attribute a trumpet with the final coming and the final There's judgment. the sound of trumpets yeah, right. <laughs> announcing from the sky. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
So, so <laughs> trumpets don't necessarily mean final judgment. They just mean announcement of a particular judgment. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, I mean, trumpets all the way through the Old Testament have multiple uh, meanings. You have the trumpet that announces the coming of something. You have the trumpets that announce, you know, judgment, uh, battle, warfare, uh, all of those things. In this particular case, uh, which is a good lead-in into that that next um, section. And the next section, by the way, is is the seven trumpets. And the seven trumpets go from chapter uh, eight, verse six, through chapter eleven. All right, so that's the that's the whole next segment that we need to look at uh, as a uh, you know as a total thing. So the the seven seals, I'm saying, are covering the time from creation until the the coming of Moses, basically to the the, the plagues of of um, of uh, Egypt on Egypt, and that 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 is uh, you know. Up until that point, you only have a small witness to Christ, right? You, you have Abraham, you have the patriarchs, uh, but but you really don't have. Uh, it, it's a very narrow. God's revelation is to a very narrow group of people. Right, and that's why it's it's the quarter. The quarter simply represents a very small percentage of of the whole. We then come to this next, uh, which is the seven trumpets. And during the seven trumpets, we now have a third of things destroyed. All right, uh, and I'm 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 going again. We're giving this larger overview, but the third of things that are destroyed, you know, is is larger than the quarter because you now have a wider spread of the gospel. The gospel is now going throughout the Middle East. There is a spread throughout the Old Testament um, from the, the people of, of, you know, the nation of Israel and the Jewish people that now get spread out through the Mediterranean. Okay, uh, So we have uh, the, this, this larger percentage of the earth that can now come, in that sense, under God's judgment because they are presented with truth and they're they're rejecting it now that doesn't mean that the rest of the earth uh you know doesn't have god as creator uh you know paul in romans chapter one but what john is focusing on is the expansion of uh or the limitations to the actual spread of the gospel and that's why when we get to chapter 20 and we talk about the deceiving of the nations why that plays such an important part because the deceiving of the nations was small at the time of uh, you know the the, the pre mosaic era, it's it, it's small in terms of people that are actually hearing about um, God through Abraham or through the, uh, the 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 patriarchs and the that witness right? is very small. So now that now that we're in the trumpets, we're in the time of the judges and the kings and things of that nature? Yeah, everything now that the Mosaic Law has come. Okay. Right? So the Mosaic Law and the nation of Israel is being established. And and, and what is its purpose? Well, its purpose is really the same purpose that Adam was given, to spread the glory of God throughout the earth uh, and, and the failure of that. And then Abraham comes along and he's he's to do the same thing. You know, all the nations of the earth are to be blessed, but, but they're not because, you know, they're all knotted up in, in Egypt. You know, people aren't going anyplace. Um, and, so, and, and then now we have the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel uh, is the fulfillment, in one sense, of the Abrahamic covenant, that they will rule from the Euphrates River to the Nile. They're going to they're going to control that whole thing, uh, you know. When we think about David, we think of him only in terms of the twelve tribes and, and ruling there. No, David was the first major empire of the Middle East in that in that sense, you know. That's why later on, when the Persians are, are looking, they're going, oh, man, yeah, that Jerusalem, wow, that was a powerful nation. You know, yeah, they're, they're dangerous, mm -hmm. all right? Because the, from the Euphrates River to the Nile was controlled by David, and they, they all brought 
um, tithes and and you know the the, the covenant um, relationship that Israel had with all of those different nations. Uh, so now we have this spread of, of of in a sense who is Yahweh, who is who is God, and, and and what are His laws, and what does He demand of us? Right. So there's an expansion, but it's not to all the nations of the world yet. It hasn't, it hasn't expanded up into Europe. It hasn't expanded farther into Asia or down into Africa, and certainly not over to North and South America. So we don't have uh, all of that. But it is much larger, and so now it's a third. And so the judgments are going to come on a third of the earth. Um, they're going to come upon this larger segment of the world that is, is rejecting the air. Uh, they're rejecting, you know, God and and His representatives. In this case, Israel is the representative, um, but they're rejecting that. All right, go ahead. I, I don't want to throw throw us off course here, but just you mentioning some of the the people who were around but are sort of on the outside of these borders. You know, we're in Africa, or we're in Eastern Asia, or even in in North and South America. Are they just like not a part of this story? They're not. They're not. It's not that they're not a part of the story. In in the sense of, is God just ignoring them? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not John's point. John's point is is not you know. Hey, let me tell you about what's going on in in the whole world. What his point is is what's happening with the gospel. Mm-hmm. What what's happening with the presentation of you know who the heir. Uh, is and, and it's very limited at the very beginning, and then it expands. Um, you know, during the, the the old old covenant period of time, there's an expansion of of you know who gets to hear the gospel and all. As far as the rest goes, for for John in terms of the Book of Revelation, yes, they're they're they they fall under the judgment too, but they fall under the judgment in a different way. Okay, and that that different way is they they don't have they they don't have access to the fullness of the truth. Okay, and so it goes back to Roman one. Yes, there's judgment, and, and what what happens to one part really happens to all. Uh, but let's let's you know keep the focus because again, that's what makes Deuteronomy or Deuteronomy. That's what makes Revelation twenty take on a a, a much more important understanding when it says the deception of the nations. Mm-hmm. You know, it can't deceive the nations any longer. I think uh, this is where Post Mill would come in and uh, and try to argue their point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna mentally um, highlight Revelation eight and bring it up during the discussion because I'm struggling with it. And I've heard your entire series, and I paid attention. I've taken notes, and I'm paying attention here, and I'm still struggling. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's an important conversation to have. That one third's kind of throwing me off a little bit. Yeah. So all you, all you have to do is think of this in terms of where has the gospel gone in terms of the whole earth, and that's uh, that's why you have the quarter to the one third, and then after Christ comes, it goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay, to all the nations. All right. So this, uh, what I'm basically arguing is that that chapter eight uh, is a presentation of um, Israel, and uh, again, we can't get into all the symbolism, but even the colors, the, the, the destruction. Yes, the destruction is symbolic to the nation of Israel. When it's no, no, about, no, 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 not to the nation of Israel, to Israel being God's, uh, God's uh, voice in the midst of the nations. Okay, in, in other words, the people that come into contact, the nations that come into contact with Israel now get to hear, uh, I'm going to call it the gospel, they get to hear uh, about God and about his glory. Um, you know, they, they have access to the written word of God. Okay, but not all the nations of the world have that. Only those who come into contact with Israel. The judgments are not the judgments against Israel, though Israel, because so it, by judgments you mean the third, the third of this, the third of that, yes. the third of this getting shut down and, yes. and destructed. Right. Those are judgments coming down on 
the unbelievers. On the unbelievers <laughs> who are rejecting the gospel. Because if you just read it plainly, it sounds like it's a prophetic destruction that's going to happen to the earth. Your argument is it's symbolic to the judgment that's going to fall down on unbelievers. Unbelievers during the Old Covenant. Okay. All right. This is about the Old Covenant um, period of time, historically, from Moses to Christ, that period of time. That, okay. That's right. That's how you broke it down. Right. So this is from Moses to Christ. And part of that is, if you look at, like, for the colors of the, uh, the uniforms um, of the, the, uh, the soldiers, um, those are the colors that we find in the Old Testament for Assyria and for Babylon. Okay, um, so the, the the purpose then is is you know Assyria and Babylon become God's means of bringing about this judgment uh, against the nations, which by the way includes Israel and Judah, because they too had rejected um, the, uh, the the gospel in in that sense. Uh, so um, we have this demonic horde that is released. <clears throat> All right, so. Uh, you know what is what is that? These locusts, <clears throat> and the, the locusts are not, uh, you know, they're not helicopters. <clears throat> they're not, uh, you know, uh, flying machines and, and and all this kind of stuff. Um, because first of all, they only last for five months, uh, which is the literal life of a locust. Right, so locust lives for five months. So he's, he's actually, you know, pulling that. Uh, but it also, what did we say that number five represents? The number is, it's, it's, yeah, it's not the fullness of anything, but it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a period, but it's not this full period uh, of things, right? So the, but anyway, this demonic horde um, is the fallen angels, but their bodies, we, we learn from, both Second Peter and Jude, their bodies are uh, locked up in uh, the abyss, okay, uh, in the pit. Yeah, they're chained there, and it's their spirits that are free. And that's why you know, demons, uh, you know, all these pictures that you see of demons on television, whatever, it's, it's ridiculous. Demons don't have bodies. That's why they have to take over a body. Um, you know, demon possess something, whether it's a pig or whether it's a person, um, because they don't have bodies, right? They're disembodied. And what they do have, however, is influence. There's a spiritual influence uh, that they have. And so what is the influence of this demonic horde? Well, it is to raise up armies. And that's what uh, the, the, the sixth, uh, you know, the second woe, but the sixth uh, trumpet is these uh, demonic human armies that are going out and bringing about God's destruction in the Middle East, right? Um, why? Because the people have rejected the gospel. And in, in the rejecting of the gospel, now again, remember when I say the gospel, I'm not talking about uh, the knowledge of Jesus Christ, but the knowledge of God through the, the, the word of God given to us in the Deuteronomic law. Right, so they they're they're presented with the true God, and they've rejected that, and so God uh, releases the demonic forces in the world with the armies of the world um, to bring God's judgment, God's punishment on those that have rejected, uh, you know, His truth. So moving into literal history, this is like the Persian army. Or the Babylonian mm -hmm. army coming into Israel and, or not necessarily just Israel, but right to the whole Middle East. Okay, okay, because Egypt has affected, uh, you know, like right. all of, all of that Middle East is affected because the Davidic kingdom had that influence through all of that, and and they ignored it, they they gotcha. rejected it, they turned away from it. Gotcha. Okay, okay, which brings us then to chapter nine. Uh, or chapter 10, I'm sorry. Uh, chapter 10 is the interlude, all right? So, uh, by the way, we also have uh, the three woes. So you have the first four. Remember we said we have the four, and then we have two, and then we have one. <clears throat> so we've had the four. 
which is the thirds of this, a third of that, you know, uh, those are the, the, the first four. And then you have the two, which is the demonic horde, and then the armies. And then we have an interlude. This is the same pattern that we've already seen back under the seal. So we have the interlude. And what does the interlude do? The interlude explains, in a sense, when this is taking place and, and, and what it's about. Well, what is this interlude? It's a, it's a very interesting interlude. You have this one um, angelos, this messenger, who stands on the earth and the sea, one foot on each. And then he makes his proclamations. And in those proclamations, he hands to John a book. And John is supposed to eat this book. All right. This is right straight out of the Old Testament. All right. The prophets of the Old Testament doing the same thing. But why one foot on the land, one foot on the sea at this point? Well, we're going to see that when we get to chapter 13, where the land beast and the sea beast. All right. This is, this is over everything. It's over the chaos of the world. It's also over the creation. Um, and it's, it's, it's over everything. And what reigns over everything is the word of God. That's, that, that's what this book is. This, this book is the word of God, right? This is the prophetic word. And it's a very interesting statement at the end of, of chapter 10 where the angel's instruction to John is, and now prophesy again, prophesy again. Uh, does that mean that John was prophesying that he took a hiatus for a little bit in the writing of the book of Revelation and now is, get back to work, will you? Yeah. you know? Well, if we're doing a literal <laughs> look at this, we, we might say that, but no. This is the passing of the baton from the old covenant um, prophets to the new covenant prophets. Hmm. Okay, those yeah, you, you're to prophesy again, just like the Old Testament prophets. So, so what we have here that that's another reason why we can say this is the Old Covenant period of time, in terms of these, uh, you know, these trumpets. This is the Old Covenant period of time because they were the prophets, and John is now represented in the New. Testament prophets. And then we open up on chapter 11, and we have this measuring of the temple. Um, He says, go measure the temple. This is the same thing that we have in the book of Ezekiel, the measuring of the temple and all these great things. And then we find out there's no measuring. There's there's no numbers given. There's no accounts given. There's nothing. And then at the end of the chapter, we're told that this is a heavenly temple, it's not an earthly temple. You know, hmm. it's like, uh, okay. So, and then it goes into these two prophets, and this is where people really want to know, well, you know, what are these two prophets? The guys okay. at the wailing wall. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's it, you know. The, the um, fire breathers. Exactly. So, the, uh, the, the, the this is, if you read it, and I'm saying if you read it literally, you're not going to get that. You're not going to get the fire breathers off there. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you going to get literally? If you're reading it literally, biblically, you're going to get Elijah and Moses. There's, there's, there's no question that this is Elijah and Moses. Okay, um, So you have Elijah and Moses, and what did Elijah and Moses represent? The law and the prophets. Okay, That is the Old Testament scriptures. We've just come off of talking about the prophets, and now we have these two prophets, and what do they represent? They represent the law and the prophets. They represent what happened during that Old Covenant period of time and and how God worked there. But what's the fulfillment of the law and the prophets? It's Jesus Christ. So these, these two prophets are not two prophets. They are one prophet. And that one prophet is Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of that old covenant. He is the fulfillment of all that the old covenant spoke about. And then who's put to death in the midst of the city? Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ is put to death. Because he is the two prophets. Because he is the two prophets. And then he is raised up, right? which we'll get to, to that in a moment. So he is the two prophets, and that's why Moses and Elijah come to him on the Mount of Transfiguration. And what are they talking about? They're talking about his exodus. That is, they're talking about his death and his purpose for his having come into, uh, into the world. 
right? Now we get these numbers. We got 42 months. We got, uh, you know, um, 1260 times, days. Yeah, 1260 hearing. days and times, times and a half a time. And, uh, and, and so, wait, I remember when we went through this in church, you can cut this if it's, you know, but I, I thought you had said that the death was the Old Testament. It is. It's not it's, not that the death was Jesus Christ. Yeah, and that's what we're reading with these numbers. Okay, so uh, so in, in terms of of these numbers, right? Um, what John is doing is he's taking the book of Daniel, and and uh, you know this Daniel, Zechariah, Isaiah, um, you know Jeremiah. Uh, that I say Ezekiel. Uh, anyway, uh, you know all of these Old Testament um, portrayals of things. Okay, he's he's taking all of these and he's 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 retranslating them for us. And so in Daniel we have the times, times and a half a time, and everybody gets into you know figuring out all of those details and the seventy-two weeks and or seventy weeks and and, and all of this stuff. Right. All right. Um, Bottom line is John, is, John is helping us to reorient our thinking about that. And so that's why, he, in a sense, he's saying, here, let me explain to you how this is time times and half time equals actually three and a half years. All right? So he does it with the 1,260 days. He does it with the 42 months. He really wants you to understand the times times and half time represents three and a half to three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, what does three and a half represent? Right, we have three and a half days of this these bodies lying in the midst of of Jerusalem. Again, another three and a half. So, so he's very intentional in helping us connect this uh, these time things into this. Well, what is that? It's a half of the Sabbath. It's a half of the eternal, uh, you know, creation week. We're 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 halfway through. This so this goes back to the half hour, right? Now we're halfway through the seven weeks. So that means that what we have at the beginning of chapter eleven, which is, by the way, the again this conclusion of the seven trumpets. This is this is in between that. That that's that that's the old covenant. That's the it's the old covenant, which, in on the one hand, when Jesus is put to death, that's the death of of the promise. It's the death of, of everything that the Old Testament has pointed towards. He's destroyed. He's, he's gone. He's dead. And that's why there's this celebration, okay? We no longer have the law to rule over us. We no longer have, you know, those, those Jewish Israelite people telling us, you know, what's right and what's wrong. Well, you know, hey, let's, let's rejoice. And you actually have that, right, with Herod and Pilate. You know, and they become friends, and, and you know the party's going on um, with the death of Jesus. So it's the end of the old covenant. It's the end of the, the Old Testament prophecies in this person, who is Elijah and Moses, the fulfillment of that, and and so it's the end of the first half of God's plan, of God's purpose, and it seems like it's the end. It seems like it's over, you know. It's all done, and everybody's throwing a party, and, and then all of a sudden, you have the tearing of the the veil. You have the earthquake. Okay, you have the seven thousand who who die again. It's numerology involved there. Um, you, you have this 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 judgment of God, and boom, resurrection and ascension. And then what happens? You have the seventh trumpet. Mm. And what happens with the seventh trumpet? Remember, the seventh trumpet is the third woe. So you have a demonic horde that's released. That's the first woe. You have these armies of Israel uh, against Israel um, that, uh, you know, against the, the, the word, against the gospel that are raised up. That's the second woe. And now the third woe. And what do you expect? You, you know, you expect, wow, if we had that and that, we're going to have this like total annihilation of everything and everyone. And instead, what do we get? The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. This is a coronation. Right. What do we have at the end of the seven seals? Half hour of silence. Mm-hmm. 
anticipation, waiting. What do we have at the end of the seven trumpets? The coronation has taken place. The coronation. And there is this, everybody and their brother in heaven is screaming and yelling and declaring, you know, whoa, guys, it's come. He's here. He's done. Whoa. Right? He's, in, he, he's, he's reigning forever and ever, which, again, brings us to chapter 20 when we get to the discussion of the millennium. All right, so he's, he's, he's declared the, the king. But how's that a woe? <laughs> well, nobody else can now claim the throne. Mm. All right? All those, uh, all those enemies of God are now overthrown. Right, so they may fight. They may, you know, they may still be out there, and they just too late, guys. The king's on the throne, so it's a woe for them. It's a woe for them. Yeah, yeah. And it's also a woe for us as his creation who has to endure their fight because they're going to still fight for the throne. Sure. Okay, and and so what do you have at the end of of that? Is you have the end of of the world again. You have thunder and. And, and earthquakes and hail and you know all these uh, all this that that's that's happening, um, and and the heavens are open and we see the the temple in heaven. Well, what's the temple? We go back to the beginning of chapter one. And we have the measuring of the temple and yet there's no numbers there. Mm. We open up and we have the temple in heaven, but then in chapter twenty one we find there is no temple. In heaven, uh, well, wait a minute. How can we have a temple in heaven? And we have all these measurements, and with no measurements, you know, it's the church. It's the people of God. Because of Christ, because of His coronation, we are safe and secure eternally in Him, in heaven. Okay, we were raised with Him. Paul says in, in, in Colossians. Mm. Uh, so there's this uh, this. You know, the church is the temple. And when I say the church, I'm, I am including the old covenant saints uh, as, as well as new covenant saints. And, you know, that, this is a major break here because the next segment um, in chapter 12 tells us about who Jesus Christ is, what he's accomplished, and the, the fight of the world in their opposition to him. With that being said, I think the coronation of Jesus Christ is a great place to end. Yeah, we got through the trumpets, we got through the seals, mm -hmm. the witnesses that are not breathing fire. You said at, <laughs> at the Wailing Wall. So I think yeah, we'll uh, we'll stop here and then we'll continue on with the woman and dragon, Revelation twelve, um, next week in the episode. Uh, it's been really enlightening. Some of it's been difficult to digest, probably. So we do suggest, like Nick has been saying. Have your Bible open and read along while we're going through this. Have your signs and symbols chart. Have your numbers chart while we're going through this. Um, I, I've told Pastor Chris personally, this, the, going through this sermon series and understanding Revelation more has really unlocked a, a part of the Bible that I kind of put to the side in the past uh, as just being something too difficult to understand. And the more you go through it, the more I just find it's just like a beautiful summary of the entire Bible Absolutely. and it's just a, it's turning into a book that I really love and enjoy going through. Uh, and so I hope that's happening for you guys as well as we're going through this. Nick, do you want to tell them a little bit about uh, some of our social media and things like that? Sure. But before we do that, I just want to communicate the fact that, you know, if you, if you listen to Apologia Church, James White said it himself, eschatology was something that James White didn't talk about for years. James White, he has uh, master's degrees in all sorts of things, and he knows the biblical languages like the back of his hand. And he dodged eschatology for years and never made a public uh, decision as to what side he was on. I mean, he's not Amil, but my point here is that if you are if you are diving into this for the first time, there are big shot theologians that haven't wanted to talk about this, and here we are, Bible dingers, wanting to. <laughs> get you this information. Um, so if you are a beginner's Christian, if you are an intermediate Christian, if you are trying to figure out where you want to go, it's okay to dive into this. We have charts. 
We have the Bible at hand. We have the outline for you on the website. Um, and, and you know what? I know a lot of other theologians, too, that said, oh, I, I was pan mill for, for years. You know, everything's going to pan out in the end. Th- but this is important stuff, and it's, it's not untouchable. It's something that you can wrestle with. But if you're like me and you have a PC at home with a double screen, I'd recommend starting there. Having the chart open on one screen, having the outline open on the other, and having your Bibles open right in front of you. Listen to it with your ears and and walk through those three things and use them as a tool to help you understand. But we do hope you are enjoying it so far. We hope you've really been wrestling with the text and opening your Bible and getting your feet wet with the book of Revelation. And we hope that you're not running away from eschatology anymore. Uh, We hope you... You're really excited about this just as much as we are. And if you like what you listen to so far, make sure you go on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and follow us at Bible Dingers across the board. Hit that subscribe, hit that like, hit that follow button. And most importantly, ding on. Ding on.